Welcome to the Cobra Cast with the present VP. For this episode, we would like to thank these valued partners. Is your scratched window ruining your view? Starting from scratch to your experts at removing scratches from windows and any glass surface. Whether it's general scratches around the home or a knife graffiti tag shop front, they can remove it. They're also helping the environment by saving the window from being dumped into landfill while bringing the glass back to its former glory without the scratches. Don't replace your scratched window. Repair it with Starting From Scratched, your glass and scratch removal specialist for home, shop fronts and cars. Call today for a quote, 87595629 or find out more at startingfromscratch.com.au. Airborne, we'll let you know when you may use approved electronic devices, but note that some items are not. Welcome to another episode of the Cobra Cast with the Prez and VP. I'm your host. Ricky the Prez Logan, or better known as Rifty these days, and my co-host is uh, Et Dog. Uh, why don't you fill the people in, Et Dog, on where we're headed? Uh, Et Dog, mate. Why don't you... Et Dog, you there, mate? Hey. Um, I don't know what's going on. I think I've lost Et Dog. What's... Et Dog, mate, you're supposed to be doing a podcast. What's going on? Shit, sorry, mate. Uh, my apologies. Uh, we're off to uh, Thailand today. Sorry, mate. Fuck. Sorry, I wasn't ready. Sorry. Oh, jeez. All right. That dog's getting in the spirit of things in Thailand, I think. He's just, you're just uh, going to give me a couple of seconds, mate. Just bear with me. I, I wasn't ready for you. Right. I'm sorry about this, folks. Uh, that dog got a little bit excited for the trip to Thailand, and he, he got in the mood a bit early, I think. Um, so bear with this. As he sorts his stuff out and fills us in on where we're, what's going on. All right, sorry about that, mate. I had to go get my Chang. Sorry, my apologies. Yeah, no worries, mate. I think uh, you're taking these uh, overseas trips a little too far. But anyway, let's let's mate, get into stuck, it. Mate, we're stuck in isolation, all right? These trips are like a holiday for me. Okay, like, can you blame me? All right, fair enough. Fair enough. You're an enthusiastic person, so let's. Uh, <laughs> But come on, let's get into it now. The people want to know what's going on. So where are we headed, mate? We're headed to Thailand tonight, mate. Uh, it is within the continent of Asia. All right. So how long? How far? All right, mate. Well, uh, it's roughly about 7,500 kilometers from Australia. And to get there direct, it's only just in the 10 hours. So not too far compared to some of the places we've been to. Yes, it's a little bit better. So it is made up of uh, 1,430 1, islands, and Thailand only covers just over 513,000 square meters and has a population of around 69.5 million people. That's a fair few people for that small amount of space. But anyway, it's about a lot of islands as well. There's a shitload of islands, I'd say. <laughs> you ever yeah. been to Thailand Rift? No, I haven't personally, but I've heard that if uh, you are heading over to Thailand, there's plenty of great landmarks to see, and I, I hear good things about uh, the Grand Palace in Bangkok if you're, if you're down that way. It's more of a cultural outing, I would think, mate. Uh, if you're like me and want to go see the, 
the sights of the party world. Uh, you can head out to Phuket and down to Bangla Road for some of that type of shenanigans. And, or you can go to Kopiang for the full moon party, mate, which is where I thought I was going to tonight. Yeah, well, it does. It like, sorry, sorry, sorry. I'll also point out there's a few other attractions in Thailand which we don't need to get into. Yeah, we won't get into that. So the national sport in Thailand is a personal favourite of mine, Muay Thai. Uh, anything where blokes are punching a shit at each other, I enjoy. Um, their national dish is Pad Thai. I've never had that personally. What about yourself? Oh, I've had it a couple of times, mate. Uh, not a bad dish. Not a bad dish at all. But Thailand does have uh, quite a few famous people born there. They do include pop singer Bam Bam, the rapper Thai Boy Digital, which I know is one of your favourites. Oh, yeah, it's always on, on the rotation for sure. <laughs> uh, Chai Hansen, who's actually Australian Thai, so it's a nice little connection for the Australians then. Yep. And you want to fill me in for the next one, mate, because you were pretty offended I didn't have this guy on my list. Mate, uh, it's personal favourite of mine. He's been a favourite since way back in the early 2000s. Tony Jaa. He was a star of a favourite movie of mine. I, Ong Back, which, I, you know, at the time I thought this guy's sort of the next Bruce Lee. He was uh, yeah, unbelievable. So if you haven't seen Ong Back, get onto it. Alright, mate. Now, uh, one of my favourite things I like doing for these are the characters that are born near places. What what Thailand uh what character's born in Thailand or lives in Thailand? Um, well, that's a fair question because I have no bloody idea who this is and what this show is. So it's it's the home of Ot or OTT from the movie The Legend of Mutai, which I've never heard of. So I'm hoping popular, by the next episode, mate, you got the boys sat down to watch that one. But definitely. <laughs> that was that was that them saying no, not not watching yeah. it. <laughs> Uh, would you like to know about how footy started in Thailand? Or, well, the, you know, the rumour of how footy started in Thailand. Yeah, hit us with it. So, word is there has been a footy league in Thailand for around 30 years for the current clubs. Though throughout Asia, some, some places like Myanmar, my, Myanmar, my, how fuck do you pronounce that word? Myanmar. Myanmar. Is that word? Myanmar. 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 Are much younger. There was even a league in Vietnam back in 1966. Jeez, all right. So that's a fair while ago. Um, but I think, you know what, we've, we've done our research on Thailand, but it's time to get in a, an expert in all things Thai football. Thailand, yep, Thailand. <laughs> Yeah, so let's get the expert in. He's uh, he's been over there for quite a while, involved in Thai football. His name is Jared Roberts. It's a good chat, this one, mate. I will, will admit, I had quite a good time doing this one. Yeah, and uh, let's learn a bit about not only football in Thailand, but uh, in the all Greater Asia, I guess you would call it. And and also, um, sort of point out that this what we've learnt in the couple we've done so far, including this one, is just the community spirit or the community stuff these blokes do is or blokes and women do around the world is just incredible. So you know, it's definitely eye opening to what we could do all do down here. Yeah, definitely. It was uh, quite, quite uh, inspiring in some of the stuff these guys are doing for the communities abroad and not only just to, you know, 
educate people on football, but to help these communities out. So it was a great chat. We learned quite a lot and we hope you all enjoy it. All right, mate. Well, uh, while everyone goes to watch this, I'm going to go continue my party and I'll see you next time we catch up. Right. Well, uh, yeah. See you at the chat, mate. Right. See you, mate. All right. So today we are joined by a former president and life member of the Thailand Tigers, Jared Roberts. How you going, mate? Yeah, good. Thanks, guys. Very good. Uh, well, thanks for joining us. Let's get into some questions and find a bit about not only uh, Thailand Tigers, but uh, Asian football. Uh, so where about the, are the Thailand Tigers based? Yeah, so the, um, the Tigers kind of started off back in uh, 93. A couple of guys were kicking a footy around in uh, Lumpini Park, one of the parks here in Bangkok, and sort of took it from there and uh, formed the club officially in about 1996. And uh, so we are based in Bangkok and uh, we, we do most of our training and play our matches on some of the international schools that are, that are located in the city. Uh, it really becomes a, an availability. Whatever we can get our hands on, we'll, um, we'll be able to use. So, yeah, based out of Bangkok and um, just uh, as of this year, we, we sort of launched a, a second team in, in Thailand down in Phuket called the Phuket Power. And uh, they're all set to make their, uh, their debut at uh, a tournament in Phuket back in March, which had to get cancelled due to the sort of current global um, happenings here. Yeah. yeah, it's a bit unfortunate for, uh, very, for, yeah, yeah. for a new club. Uh, so who, who actually founded the club originally? Yeah, so there was, a, there was a bunch of guys. I can't remember all their names. Uh, certainly Bobby Bedford and uh, Jerry uh, Henderson were a couple of them. And uh, they, they sort of started it off and, uh, with a few others and uh, played their first game against Hong Kong in Bangkok in 96. And, um, yeah, it sort of started off from there. Yeah, cool. I'm pretty safe to say that uh, the Phuket team wouldn't have many issues with Australians coming in to get a game yeah. down that yeah. area. No, well, the Phuket team was uh, actually, most of them weren't Australians. They were, they were roping a few Irishmen and a few Englishmen and a few other sorts. Uh, they're a master's team, which sort of suits the demographics down there a bit better. But, uh, um, yeah, they were pretty pumped about it. And so it was a bit unfortunate we had to cancel. And, you know, as soon as things get back to a bit more normality, we'll be looking to go down there and have a game against them as, as soon as we can. Yeah, well, hopefully this all passes sort of sooner rather than later so they can get out there and have a kick. Exactly, yeah. Um, so how did you guys become known as the Thailand Tigers? Yeah, real good question that one, and I don't have an answer to it. And, and so I, uh, I sort of did a bit of a, a bit of look around to see where it came from, and it's uh, it's either because Thailand Tigers has a nice ring to it, or I've got a sneaky suspicion a couple of the guys early on were, were Tiger supporters, and uh, we did originally wear the the full Richmond jumper, which has kind of evolved over the years through through a few, few different stages to what it is today. Yeah, um, that's probably more than likely blokes that went for the Tigers, I reckon. Yeah. How many? So when you first started, how many players did you have? And like of this current day, how many players yeah. do you have now? So, so back in the start, there was probably about, I guess you had a group of about 10 to 15 core players with the club that were involved. Uh, it was all sort of socially done. Uh, there was guys that were involved with the club that were financing the ground rentals and all of that with their own money to sort of get things happening. Um, and it's kind of, Thailand's sort of a very transient population. So you get people who come out for a couple of years and join the club and then they're gone. So uh, it's, it's kind of, it's pretty awesome in the sense there's a, there's a few of us that have been at the club and still around at the club. Some of them going back to the, the very start are still here in Thailand and still involved. We sort of have about, uh, probably about at any one time, between 20 and 50 members. Um, probably of those that are players, it's probably, yeah, usually around 20 to 30 different players at any one point in time. 
That's nice. Um, decent numbers. Getting better numbers than us at the moment. Well, it'd be nice if they all came to training and uh, that would make <laughs> yeah. things a lot better. But, uh, but again, a lot of people sort of come out to Thailand not to play football. You come for whatever other reasons you may have. Um, I know for myself, when I came, I didn't even know there was a footy club here. And uh, when I found out about it, I sort of made a priority to join. And I wasn't even living in Bangkok at the time. I was a couple of hours northeast. And uh, I started coming down for the games on the weekend. And just uh, that sort of connection with Australia and also with the football probably made my whole time in Thailand much better, much better for it just to have that. And I'm sure you guys know that your community you have with the football club is so important and um, to, to find that in Thailand was pretty exceptional I thought and um, people come and, and some people stay longer because of what they get out of the footy club which is it's a really nice thing yeah and that's uh, you know you're the sort of third international involved uh, person we've spoken to and it's a pretty universal that that same sort of answer that that community that they get from being at a football club is what keeps everyone coming back um, so women's footy is sort of growing pretty big in Australia and we've also found out it's quite popular international as well. Um, do you guys have a women's team? Yeah, we do. So, so basically, uh, probably nearly two years ago, some of the other clubs, I think Vietnam were really uh, pushing it for it and Hong Kong as well and uh, Singapore uh, and Cambodia. Uh, Cambodian team, the Cambodian uh, Cobras as well. They uh or, or the Eagles, or their, their women's teams called the Asparas. They, they actually are nearly all Khmer players, which is fantastic. Um, so they, they sort of start up women's teams, and when you're sort of organising a tour or your fixtures for the year, clubs would always be asking, uh, what about a women's game as well? So um, that kind of pushed us into action a little bit more. And so we, we started up our women's team last year. Um, heavy reliance on the, the Gaelic team here in Bangkok, and most of our women's team are actually um, the Gaelic players. I think we had one one Australian, if we're lucky. Um, but we we launched our team last year, and uh, they played their first games at the uh, Asian Championships here in uh, in Thailand. And uh, we we'll, had big plans for them this year, but of course that's all been put on um, hold at the moment. And uh, uh, our, ca- our captain of our team is Irish, and she's uh, an exceptionally good Aussie rules footballer. She'd stand uh, hold her own against any sort of Australian uh, footballer anyway. Um, and just seeing the, the development in the women over the, the last 18 months or so has been fantastic. Um, I got asked to, to coach them this year, which was either to get me away from the men's team or uh, <laughs> to get me to retire, whatever it might have been. But uh, look, I, I gladly took it up because I do love the game. And uh, if I can try and help um, develop the women's team here in Thailand, then, then that's something I'll, I'll be really proud of. So um, it's good to see it happening. So do you guys find it difficult to get coaches for the for both men and women's teams? Yeah, so uh, certainly over the years, coaching's usually been a case of someone putting their hand up and saying, okay, I'll do it. Um, you know, you, obviously you do need a coach and it does need, you need the direction of your team. Um, we're very fortunate. Uh, probably about nearly two years ago, I got an email from a, a bloke who was in London and said he was moving to Thailand in six months' time and he was interested in playing football and uh, when we put out an ad for a coach, he, he replied and said, look, I'm not there yet, but I'd be keen to do it when I come. And so that kind of got us to hold off a little bit and see what we're going to get. And uh, sure enough, he did come along and he was a, a really good candidate for it. And, uh, you know, everything you want in a coach and that he motivates, he uh, leads by example on the field. Um, he has a, a mindset of winning and wanting to win games, which is really important. 
and uh, you know he's been great for the club. So prior to him, uh, there's been um, you know some of the life members of the club have been uh, coaching coaches as well. Our games record holder, who's who's racked up over 100 games, which is quite a phenomenal achievement in Asian football. And you probably play about 10, 10 games maximum a year against other countries. Um, he, he coached for a while as well. So we've been lucky. We've had a few right people in, in Thailand at the right time to sort of take on the role, which has been really good. It's always handy when blokes want to put their hand up for that job. Absolutely. Um, so you've mentioned that a lot of your club, are, well, a lot of them, sorry, the Phuket club were Thai-born and a lot of your females are Irish or from the Gaelic club. What's the demographic of the playing group, like Australians or Irish compared to like nationals? Yeah, so for us, a big challenge for us and something we've really worked on developing is trying to get um, local Thai players into the game. Um, we've now got one, one Thai player who flies down from Chiang Mai for, our, for all our matches and comes on all our tours. He did live in Australia for a couple of years before he uh, came back to Thailand. He's a bit of a footy tragic, actually. It's, um, it's a whole story in itself. A very remarkable person. Um, we also have uh, a couple of other Thai players down at the club and uh, quite a few half Thai, half Australian players. Um, the, the rest of them, we've got probably two of our, our better players are Irish, um, come across from the Gaelic code, love the, uh, the Aussie rules and have been very good for the club. We've had Americans, we've had Scottish, we've had English, we've had, um, there's one bloke from somewhere in uh, Scandinavia over here at one point in time, South Africans, New Zealanders. Uh, probably you could say half of our playing group is uh, Australian and the other half can be from, from anywhere in the world. Um, one thing we, we have been working on and doing, which is uh, there's a, obviously Bangkok's a, a pretty big city and there's a lot of underprivileged people in Bangkok. And so we've, adopted a program where we sponsor uh, some of the Thai children that live in the, it's called the Phong Thoi area of Bangkok. And they're, uh, I suppose, it's, it, for want of not using the word, but it's a slum area in Bangkok. And so we help support them through education, uh, teaching them English lessons. And as part of that, we get them down and they're part of our Auspic program. And we've had up to 40 down. And, and from that 40, there's probably about 10 or 15 that are regulars that are um, developing very well as footballers. And our big picture goal is we ideally would love to have an all-Thai team made up of Thai players, but it's a, it's a bit of a grind and it's a bit of hard work, but it's something we've set as a goal to try and achieve and something we'll keep our focus on as a club. That's actually really cool, the fact that, you know, as you've mentioned, that it's a grind for you guys just to make sure you've got players some years and you do what you can for the community even during that period. That's Actually, quite surprising and quite nice to hear. Um, now, you mentioned before about your jumper and how you used to wear the standard Richmond sash. I've seen photos. It's actually quite a unique-looking jumper. Um, yeah. How do you guys get your playing gear across there? Yeah, well, again, that's a big challenge. I mean, getting jumpers made is, uh, is not too bad because there's a few uh, organisations, some in Bangkok, some in Hong Kong, that will um, locally produce jumpers for us. So... Um, we can sort of come up with a design and uh, get jumpers made easily enough here in Thailand. The challenge for us is getting uh, footy shorts, footy socks and uh, footballs. And uh, if you send them or deliver them into Thailand, they have quite large uh, import tax that you've got to pay to get the items into the country. So quite often it becomes a case of someone's going back to Oz and you get them to uh, bring back in their, in their baggage as many footballs or socks or shorts as they can fit in. 
So that's kind of the, probably the biggest challenge for us is getting the gear over here. Um, there has been sponsors through before AFL Asia with apparel and whatnot. And there still is a tribal sport sponsor with uh, AFL Asia. Um, but for us to go and get their product, it then costs nearly double because we have to pay all the tax to get it into Thailand. So there's challenges there that I think if we can, can get ourselves registered as a sports authority in Thailand, then we'll be able to bypass some of those um, charges that we don't want to have to pay. Jeez, how's that rift? Most people come back from Thailand trying to get as many packs of cigarettes and alcohol and anything they can get into the country. And these guys just want to get some footies across there. Yeah. 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 It's, uh, it's funny. Yeah. All right. So a lot of the questions that we do, I write up and sort out for us. Uh, one question that I put on here, which Rifty was trying to work out why I put it on was because as the president, I want to know what other presidents do compared to my co-host. So Rifty, you can ask the question, mate. All right, so as the former president, how did you end up in the role? Yeah, that's a look. Uh, it's kind of the way it worked over here. It's a little bit sneaky. So I, um, when I first moved to Thailand, I was living outside of Bangkok and uh, kind of got roped into being our tour manager, which involves, I mean, involves uh, booking hotels and making arrangements when you do a, a. You guys have footy trips at the end of the year. We kind of have about three or four of them every year during the year, um, where you fly fly over to a neighbouring country and play a game of football. So I got roped into that. And then uh, when I moved to Bangkok, I got asked to sort of join the committee and uh, nominate as a vice president. And about six months later, the president took on a new job and kind of handballed it across to me to take over. And I sort of thought, yeah, this will be okay. I love the club and I, and I want to get involved and support the club as much as I can. It's a lot of work. And um, I don't envy any president anywhere in the world for the amount of work that you have to do to... You're doing all this work, a lot of it behind the scenes, a lot of it's not uh, sort of people don't know what you're doing. So um, my role sort of became a bit too much. It became sort of, you know, if you wanted jumpers ordered, you had to go and make sure they're getting ordered. If you wanted equipment, you had to sort it out. Um, just organising the events, organising tours um, became a lot. And uh, um, yeah, I kind of got a bit fatigued and burnt out from it towards the end of uh, 2018. So I kind of did the same thing that happened to me and found a, well, I say a sucker, but I found someone to take over. And uh, <laughs> it was two things. It was one, um, there was a lot that I had to do, but also I really wanted the club to move forward. And I think that yeah, a bit of change every now and then can help that happen. And uh, the bloke that took over from me did a fantastic job. He, he only lasted a year and his work sort of pulled him away from it. But um, uh, we've now got a new president in charge who I, I actually have so much I suppose, support for him and um, respect for him. It made me want to get back involved more with the club and do my bit. Um, as I said, the, the strength of the, the club is the people involved in it. And, and I'm quite fortunate with these, with the Tigers, that we've got a really good bunch. Yeah, it's definitely something I never really noticed until I stepped up onto the committee a couple of years ago. It was just how much work actually goes in by the president and everyone involved. And you did mention about trying to find a sucker. When Rifty decided he was going to be president, he definitely sucked me in. Do you want to tell the story how you convinced me to be VP, mate? Oh, I don't know what you're talking about. At the guard, you come up to me before, after about two beers and you've gone, oh, I'm going to throw my hand up for president. You can't be VP. Oh, I'll think about it. Ten beers later. Mate, I'm going to be president. You sure you don't want to do it? Yeah, mate, I'll do it with you. No worries at all. <laughs> it's amazing the power of the beer. <laughs> You found my kryptonite, I reckon. <laughs> Actually, speaking of beers, now, I've been to Thailand once before. It's a very social part of the world. 
what do you guys do for your social side of stuff? I mean, you said before your footy trips are sort of yeah, trips away during the year. So what do you guys do to you know, have some fun and blow off some steam? I mean, yeah, so for a, for a normal sort of um, normal season or a normal year, we, uh, we're very lucky here because the AFL starts at uh, 4.30 on a Friday night. Um, the, the Friday night game is on TV here. So quite often what we'll do is we'll go to one of our sponsor pubs and the club will put on a keg of beer and uh, basically everyone that comes, guess, every member that comes gets to drink free beer and watch the football. Uh, and what we also do as part of that is we usually have a, a bit of a you know, collection for some of our charity work that we do. So, um, you know, ask people to just make a donation, kind of work out you're getting a really good value, you're getting a really good social evening out. Um, that's probably the, the biggest thing that we did a lot of. Um, we have a huge grand final party at the end of the year, obviously grand final day, um, where what, we ha- what we've had the last couple of times is uh, we've, we've hooked up with uh, the Ozcham group here in Thailand, who have been, again, fantastic supporters of us as a club, but also the wider Australian community in Thailand. Uh, I think we get over 500 people at the uh, grand final event. It's in a huge ballroom with six big screens. And uh, again, it's incredible value. So you're talking from 9am to 3pm, you get your breakfast, you get your lunch, you get your meat pies, you get um, basically beer the whole time and wine. Um, and it's, it's sort of set up to sort of recreate a, a bit of the MCG feel about it. And it's, that's probably our biggest social event. Um, we have a, usually have a, a day at the races once a year. We have some golf days. Um, and we usually train pretty much every Thursday night throughout the year, starting in uh, January and going through to you know, as late as October. So, um, yeah, certainly a lot of social stuff going on, which is great. That sounds, uh, sounds pretty good, actually. And I think um, you might have a few guys jumping over to Thailand when they can for a grand final day, I think. Oh, you'd, be, you'd be most welcome. It's, uh, we actually get a lot of people flying up from Australia every year that have sort of come along and seen how good the event is. And they just keep coming back, which is, uh, I suppose, a credit to... Ozcham who do a lot of the organisation and the Tigers, we bring a, a football feel to the event. So um, it is incredible, yeah. Yeah, he's uh, definitely making my grandfather day seem pretty <laughs> insignificant, Rifty. <laughs> nah, you, might be able to get, you might be able to get over for an end-of-season tour and play a game of footy on your uh, footy trip. Oh, jeez. <laughs> there, was, there was a brief Rifty, discussion. Rifty, no. <laughs> there was a very brief discussion about going to Thailand for a footy trip oh. and... Uh, you might not get back. <laughs> and yeah, that was quickly knocked on the head. So um, so when did uh, the Asian region get its own league? Yeah, so it, I don't know if you say it, it, its own league, but back in uh, 1999, there was what was called the Four Nations Cup, which was uh, Bangkok, Singapore, Hong Kong and uh, Jakarta. And they played a, a four-team tournament which, if you like, was the, the start of what's called the Asian Championships, which um, the first year, I suppose, officially was in 2000. And, uh, and then la- this year or last year was the 20th edition. Um, and basically, it's, so it's held once a year. It's a one-day tournament, and you get clubs from all over Asia, China, um, Philippines, Japan, all coming over and all playing, um, playing in the tournament. Uh, of course, around the local area, you've got Cambodia, Laos, Myanmar, uh, Vietnam, uh, uh, it's, it's a huge tournament. So that sort of was happening for quite a few years. Um, there's been about 15 years where there's just been what's called an Indochina Cup, which is the, 
countries directly like around Thailand, so Thailand, Myanmar, Laos, Cambodia, and Vietnam. Uh, and I think it was in about 2013 when the, the championship was held in Bangkok, all of the presidents got together and sort of talked about having a, um, or coming together as a unified sort of uh, football um, league, if you like, called AFL Asia. And uh, there's a guy called Phil Johns who was based out of Vietnam, the president at the time that kind of instigated it or was a lead role in, in it happening. And it's just sort of gone from strength to strength where the clubs are sort of now working together much better to help grow football in the region sharing their ideas, sharing what's working in their own countries uh, to the point where the AFL uh, appointed a you know, developmental manager for Asia um, just last year. So um, there's no sort of league as such. Um, I know like in southern China, they have their league with Hong Kong and a few of the Chinese um, teams. I think also in uh, a few of the other countries, they may have, have their leagues as well. Um, there's been talk and a bit of a push to try and have a league with the Indochina clubs that I, I mentioned before. Uh, it's just the logistics of being able to to do it that make it a bit of a challenge. Yeah, so uh, sort of what months of the year do they play? Do they play the same months as AFL? Yeah, it's sort of... Uh, some countries like Myanmar can't play through, I think, pretty much from March through to probably August because of the wet season and it just being too unpredictable and, and too much rain to be able to use the ground. So most clubs start up and try and launch about Australia Day and then play games through to, you know, sometimes as late as November. Um, we've sort of looked at how we can try and compress our season, sort of keeping that Australia Day launch, start of the year, but trying to finish before the AFL Grand Final so that you can have a bit of a break from it as well. Yeah, so how do, how do the Aussies find the, the heat over there? How do they cope with oh. that? <laughs> well, a lot of beers after the game certainly uh, certainly helps with the heat a bit. But uh, look, it is very hot out here and uh, hydration is so important. And we do play shortened um, quarters as well. So... Our normal sort of domestic games we play in, in Bangkok on the weekends, which is just kind of like an intra-club game, but uh, you have the same two teams for the season. Um, we'll play like sometimes 10 or 12 minute quarters because it's, it's just too, too intense otherwise. And uh, yeah, look, hydration is hugely important, especially when you have a, like the, the championship events where you, you might play four games in the one day, um, even though there, there might be short quarters or, or halves. It is very intense in the heat. You do get a little bit used to it, but um, yeah, it's it is quite a challenge. Yeah, yeah, I reckon I'd last about three minutes a quarter in that heat. <laughs> um, so how... actually, I go sorry, no, when I when I, um, when I first started playing in Thailand, I did go back to Melbourne and I went back to my uh, local club in Melbourne and did play a game in the, in the middle of winter, and it was uh, yeah, it was an amazing experience to go from the heat that you've been playing into the cold weather and. Uh, I think the cold weather hurts your body a bit more if you get a bit get bat, battered up and stuff. But um, uh, yeah, the heat the heat is a different challenge. Yeah. yeah, when I was in Thailand, I struggled to get from one bar to the next without yeah. dying for dehydration. Um, yeah, <laughs> mentioned about all the international clubs in AFL Asia. How often do you play against them countries? Yeah, so it all comes down to your club, and you make the call or make the decision about how often you want to play in. <laughs> what fixtures you want to have. So um, I know like for us in Thailand, our, our two tournaments are obviously Asian Championships, which is everyone in Asia. And then there's the Indochina Cup, which is the, the five countries in the, in the direct area. Um, we also do a return match against Cambodia every year. So we'll go over there and play them in Phnom Penh and then they'll come over to Thailand and we'll play against them. Um, which in itself, you, you just get to build a really good relationship with those guys from that country as well. Um, even though you play footy and you play, you play to win and you play hard footy, as soon as the game's over, you're having a beer together. And it's just the social side of it is just incredible. And 
Uh, I know, like you go to Cambodia for a tour, and they'll take you back afterwards to a um, to a, to a hotel or a bar or whatever, and there'll be either either incredibly cheap drinks and food, um, sitting by the pool having a drink and a bit of a swim. It's fantastic, and uh, it's really up to the clubs to sort of pick their tours. We um, we made a decision sort of late last year. We wanted to go to Bali for a for a game of footy, so we uh, seated up with the, the the guys in Bali to go and play there, which we got to do in uh, I think that was in February this year. So we went over with about 15 of us and played against uh, two teams from Bali and one from Jakarta that came over. And again, it was just a fantastic tour. You, you play the footy in the afternoon, then down to one of the beach clubs in the afternoon, having uh, sunset beers in one of the beach clubs. It's um, yeah, pretty good. Yeah. So you said that you were, um, excuse me, a tour manager organising the tours. Yeah. Is part of that role just seeing whereabouts on holiday you'd like to go and taking the footy there? Yeah, um, yeah. To, to be fair, I did do that a couple of times, and uh, I did I did plan the Bali trip when I had a week off work, so I could stay for the week as well. So, yeah, a little bit of that goes on. But uh, look, a lot of us uh, a lot of us here in Thailand are teachers, so we do get similar holidays and whatnot. Um, and we try and look at the public holidays as well when people have the time off work to sort of you go on a tour. You want to make sure you have got as many players as you can get going and sort of representing that, that way. The other part of it too is if someone comes and plays you or tours your country, you kind of feel you owe them a tour back. So you want to go and, um, you know, sort of return the favour in a sense. And uh, it can be a bit hard because Bangkok obviously is a destination a lot of teams want to come to. So it does make it pretty hard for us sometimes to, to squeeze in what we want to squeeze in in terms of tours. So um, what sort of fields do you guys get to play on? Do you, I couldn't imagine there's too many footy ovals over there. No, nah, nah, and, and again, that's that's one of the biggest challenges of probably football in the region, and we're probably uh, blessed compared to most of the other countries in that we have space where we can have uh, football fields. So, in Bangkok itself, two of the international schools have quite large playing fields, which are basically rugby or, or soccer-sized pitches, but um, they're all open, and there'll be three or four of them together, so you can set up a full-size AFL ground. Now, with most of our domestic games, we just play almost. It's almost a a soccer-sized pitch, but we extend it at each, each end a little bit because we can. But width-wise, it's pretty narrow. But uh, uh, when we have the championships, which we had in Bangkok, we, we held that at a polo club, which had a huge um, huge area of that we could use. We, we set up three, three fields side by side. Um, they weren't full-size AFL pitches, but they're about 140 by 92 metres or thereabouts. So we're, we're very lucky in Bangkok or in Thailand that we can sort of set up these um, these grounds. Uh, some of the other countries, yeah, they're, they're all down to um, football side or soccer pitches. So, as you said, like, when you do set them up, you have the width of a soccer pitch, but a bit longer. How many players do you guys have on the field? Is it the same yeah. for men and women? Yeah, so that, that varies. So when, when you do the championship event, you sort of, we, we have it in three divisions. And the division one and division two are 16 players on the field. Um, division three drops down to 12. And part of that is that the Division Three clubs, uh, ones that are usually struggling to get players. So it's unfair if you have them needing more players and they can probably bring to a tournament. So uh, when we play our local games, as I said, across the, the soccer pitch or football pitch, um, we, we can play anything from nine aside to 14 or 15 aside. That just depends on how many numbers you've got. And even with the tournaments, clubs are pretty good and they, uh, they can get together before a game and say, hey, we've only got 12 players. Can we go 12 aside or... You know, well, we've got 16, let's go 16 aside. So sort of varies. Um, the women's competition the first year was 18 players aside. 
Um, probably was a little bit congested, so that dropped back to 16 as well for the last tournament we sort of have. Yeah, so it would be sort of challenging with all the different fields and stuff like that to, to uh, you know, keep a consistency to the footy and especially when you're, you're trying to inc- uh, get new players and stuff. Yeah. Um, but so you mentioned a little bit about the Tigers doing some community stuff and helping out with some sort of, uh, you know, scholarship type things. So talk us a bit, bit more about what you guys do for the community. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, the club's always done, you know, a little bit here and there to sort of support um, different organisations, different uh, charities and whatnot. And uh, probably the big one that sort of started up was about four or five years ago was uh, there's a lot of uh, refugees in Bangkok. And so the club started sort of supporting, sponsoring a couple of Somalian refugees here in Bangkok. The big challenge of that was that they're not legally meant to be in Bangkok and they're not, um, they're not sort of supported at all by the government. So we sort of had to be careful with our operations there, but I think it was, uh, you know, seeing a few of them get resettled in uh, you know, other parts of the world, it's just been fantastic. Uh, that kind of, we've always been looking for an organisation we can try and build a longer sort of partnership with, a longer sort of uh, support for. And uh, we're kind of lucky to come in touch with a, called the Duang Petit Foundation, which is down in, in the slum area of Bangkok. Um, where we were able to get involved there and sort of sponsor some of the children there. And uh, so what we do is we give them football boots. We have them come out and we um, run Auspic sessions for them. And uh, also they play Auspic, play games with the Auspic. We've had about uh, four or five of them actually step up and play with the senior team for the Tigers now, which has been fantastic. Um, we run English lessons for them, um, either before a game or, or during the week. Sometimes we'll have them come down to one of the schools and give them some English lessons. Uh, and also just uh, even like in this time where it's been challenging for a lot of people across the world, of course, but uh, uh, our treasurer and a few of our committee members went down and delivered care packages to the, the boys and their families down in the, in the slum area of Bangkok. So um, it's, it's something which the club is doing, which I'm very proud of. And I think it's a great, it's great to be able to give back to those that just don't get the opportunities that we get in life. And uh, hopefully what we're building with is something which is sustainable to keep going uh, for years to come. Yeah, I definitely think everybody involved in the Thailand Tigers and the sounds of what you guys do for your community you should be very, very proud of yourself. Yeah. Um, so you host several tournaments throughout the year. Can you explain to us what they are? Yeah, so so the big one is which we launched, we started off in I think about 2014 or 15. We um, played a standalone game against uh, Malaysia down in Phuket. Uh, so Phuket's got a, a almost, almost, it's a bit small, but almost full-size oval down there. It's called the uh, Alan Cook Ground, and uh, uh, it does have a cricket pitch in the middle, so it is set up for cricket. And uh, so we played a game down there and uh, sort of, you know, sort of see how it went. And uh, so we launched what's uh, now known as the Phuket Masters, which would have been in its, um, I suppose, third full year this year before we had to cancel it. And uh, started off with four clubs from around the region. Um, last year we had uh, eight clubs there. This year, we wanted to cap it, at, um, cap it at eight, but everyone wanted to come back. And, and with the launch of Phuket, we got up to nine. So that's just a one-day tournament. Over 35s um, played down in Phuket, which is, um, which is a great thing. We also, uh, not hosting this year, but we have hosted in the past, and, and we did it last year, was uh, what's called the Indochina Cup. So you do have the, the five clubs all compete in the one venue on the day, and you, um, you have a winner at the end of the day, which is great. And, of course, the Asian Championships, which... Uh, the Asian Championships has just grown from year to year and 
Uh, I think Vietnam hosted in 2016 or something like that. And they really just sort of raised the bar and professionalism the whole event. And uh, we had it in, in Bangkok, as I said, uh, or in Thailand uh, last year in late August. And there was 24 teams competing. So we had three divisions of uh, men's teams with six teams in each division. And we had uh, a women's team with, uh, sorry, women's division with six teams. And uh, so there was about uh, 53 or four games of football played in the one day, three fields side by side. Um, and yeah, probably about close to 600 people. Um, and it was huge. It was a really big event. And I was looking forward to doing it again this year, but unfortunately, uh, things have changed a little bit. So we're hoping that we can still do something towards the end of this year um, in some sort of form, uh, have, have the tournament again. Now, that tournament's not a, a Thailand Tigers tournament. That's an Malaysia tournament. Um, they do rely on, on someone to host it. And as we mentioned before about grounds and availability, Thailand are very fortunate to have the space and to be able to, to host it. And uh, in our initial plannings, we're looking at going to four grounds for this year. So uh, who knows how things will be when we, we get you know, back to a stage where we can host it or we can have the event. Um, but yeah, certainly the, the growth has been there. and. Uh, yeah, it is a big event. Yeah, so you have quite a few events. One thing I am curious of is, obviously you had however many players you said were there. How do you guys get umpires? Like who umpires? Yeah, you yeah with lots of difficulty. So um, we actually, you know, we pay umpires to come and come and do the event. So it's not going to cover probably all their expenses to even get there. But there is a, um, you know, a bit of a money, um, I suppose, for them as well. We're very fortunate that there's a, the, uh, former president of AFL Asia, Matt Gale, who's based out in, in Osaka, he took it upon himself to take charge of the umpires at not just the event last year in Bangkok, but um, certainly the year before in the Philippines, the year before that in uh, Malaysia as well. Um, so it relies on, a lot of it relies on clubs putting up people to umpire. Um, quite often they're not fully trained or qualified umpires, but uh, as you know, getting volunteers is a big challenge and um, now we've been very lucky with the Tigers that we've got a, a couple of umpires that um, some, some come back each year for, I should have mentioned with our events, we, we have an Anzac Day event every year in Kanchanaburi, which is uh, up near the Hellfire Pass where there was a lot of Australian uh, POWs up there. And um, so we have a, a, an annual commemorative match up there every year. And there's uh, one of our uh, long-time members, uh, he flies up from Melbourne every year still comes and sets up the grounds and then umpires for us in the day. So you've got this sort of, some amazing people involved with the club that keep coming back and you need them to be able to, to be able to do stuff like this. So the yeah, umpires are certainly a challenge to get. No, it's, um, you guys are doing some fantastic work over there. And I think, you know, just, just uh, some people over here just see this as just a game, but I think you, you guys have shown that, footy is more than just a game it can be something that uh is used as a tool to help help out communities and and also commemorate you know occasions like anzac day and stuff um so yeah my i'm in awe of everything you guys are doing actually so yeah, it's it's been fantastic to learn about but uh let's sort of learn a bit about yourself and uh your playing career so um You've obviously played, but how long have you played football for? Who did you play for back in Australia? And, yeah, talk us through that. Yeah, sure. So uh, I wouldn't say it's a decorated career by any uh, stretch of the words, but uh, I did uh, sort of start it back in, uh, actually, out in East Gippsland. 
playing for a team called uh, Nidano South out there when I was in uh, doing my VCE back in Victoria. And then uh, a little bit of time at Uni Blacks when I was at Melbourne Uni and then uh, ended up playing for Swinburne Uni in the, uh, in the amateurs back there in uh, based out of in Hawthorne for probably about 10 years, I think I played at the club there, which was, uh, again, you talk about footy clubs being fantastic and that was a great one to be a part of. Then I sort of, uh, when I moved over to Thailand, which was in about 2000 and maybe 2008 and uh, probably about 2009 sometime, I heard about the club in Bangkok and decided to come down and start running around having a kick. So I probably played uh, close to 80 games here in, in Thailand, internationals for the club, which when you consider there's about 10 a year, it's not, it's not too, bad a, too bad a run. Um, probably played about another 100 plus uh, domestic games here in Bangkok on top of that as well. Um, I, I've nominated myself as a, either a bench player or a full forward. I don't like to run too much these days. So uh, look, I, I love getting out and having a kick. And um, uh, I've probably retired about 20 times in the last four, 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 four or five years or so. But I can't stop. I, I just love being involved and love getting out there and running around having a kick. Yeah, it's. Uh, I've just started my first year of playing Supers last year. And something I say to all the young guys, like there's guys that are in their 30s going, oh, this might be my last year. I said, uh you're going to be retired for a long time. And I meet guys that I, I now play supers and you know, they're having to start over 45s, over 50s, over 55s because there's guys that just, just will never give it up. And uh, yeah. and it's it's hard. Yeah, it's, yeah. I'm not sure uh, if you've heard of the, um, the, the uh, they had the Bali Masters tournament in June, usually around the, the Queen's birthday weekend each year. And uh, a fantastic tournament and really well run by the, Bali Geckos Club down there, but they, um, I think they've got an over 55 division now, and they've had to go to three or four days and, and multiple grounds. The, the demand for it is just huge, and it's, um, I think it's fantastic that uh, you know you can keep playing as as long as you can. And like you said, once you once you stop playing, that's the end of it. And uh, why not get as much out of it as you can? Yeah, well, actually, my our former coach Gary Wilson, he was over there last year for that uh, for the first time. The 55s had to. Uh, team over in Bali so yeah and he, I'm sure he, he would have had a good time over there oh mate he was already <laughs> booking his flights uh, as soon as he got back for the next one he, he absolutely loved it so um so who do you follow in the AFL yeah uh, you're probably gonna hate this Collingwood and uh that's a, it's a shame shame I have I have still got my own teeth and uh <laughs> I, I don't carry on quite as bad as some of the Collingwood supporters I've, I've kind of uh mellowed out with it a lot over the years and I think uh I go back to 2010 and, and actually getting to see the club win a grand final. Um, it, was, it was pretty awesome. And uh, it kind of, I love all footy. I watch, uh, you know, when I used to go back to Melbourne and uh, a mate of mine was assistant coaching down at your club, I'd come down and watch your games. I, I just love watching footy and, and being involved with footy. And, uh, you know, uh, even at the moment with uh, without being able to watch live games, uh, thanks to the old... Uh, watch AFL live pass or watch AFL, whatever it's called. You get to still watch a bit of footy on TV. And um, so you've yeah, been catching up a few of the games that they've been putting on over the last few few months, I suppose now. So so you mentioned that you'd come to actually down to see a few sand down games. You may as well give your mate a shout out on here. Yeah. Johnny A, who was down there doing a bit of uh, terrorizing and coaching, no doubt when he was at the club. So, um, so we played together back at Swinney back in the day and, um, which is where I met him, and uh, he's probably been one of my best mates since. And, uh, you know, look forward to catching up with him and having a drink sometime soon as well. Yeah. yeah, hopefully sooner rather than later for you fellas. Exactly. Right. 
So we usually ask, ask if someone's been to a game. Obviously, you would have been to quite a few AFL games. In fact, you lived over here for so long. Is there one game that you've been to that stands out above all of any other ones? Yeah, in terms of actually going to AFL games, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, definitely for me. Uh, look, I did go to the 2002 grand final, which was a bit of a heartbreaking loss. But again, it was, uh, it was funny. I'd walk out of the ground and people were sending me all these messages, ha-ha, you lost and all this sort of stuff. But... Um, Again, I kind of walked out of it just, just proud of the effort the boys put up against what I think is a pretty awesome Brisbane team and one of the best, uh, I think it was the 2002, the, the following year was horrible. I won't talk about that. Um, but certainly the, the most memorable game, the most enjoyable game I went to was that first Anzac Day game when uh, Big Sav kicked nine and it was a draw between the two clubs. It was fantastic. Amazing atmosphere. Yeah, 2001 wasn't much better than 2003 either. Yeah. <laughs> um, you actually made me think about it. What's the best game in Asia you've actually watched play? Well, actually watched play, um, I, I've seen a lot of good games of football. Um, probably the most, the most memorable one you talk about things like that was, uh, was in KO in 2018 at the Asian Championships. And we were in Division 2. And um, we made it through to the, the final in Division 2, and, uh, which was a pretty good achievement. And we were pretty happy with that. And, um, again, towards the end of the day, you got pretty much no bench and you're all pretty sore and it's, it was hard to even warm up for the game. And you go out in the field and it starts raining. You're playing against a team from PNG. And these guys were just incredibly uh, physical, strong, uh, fit. And they were playing with the ball like it was dry. Um, their skills were just phenomenal. Um, they absolutely smashed us. And you, you sort of, you walk off the ground and... and to the, to the credit of the time for our coach, there was no badgering of people. There was no getting stuck into people. There was no criticising everyone. It was just a realisation that these guys are absolutely awesome. And uh, while it was hurtful to not win the game and to not really even have a chance of winning the game, um, just to see a team like them play footy the way they played, it was pretty awesome. And uh, they went on and won Division One uh, at the championships the following year. So... They are an incredibly good side, but um, yeah, that, that's probably my most, the most inspiring football I've seen played. Unfortunately, it was against us, and uh, but it was, yeah, it was very memorable. We actually uh, spoke with a guy from Calgary Kangaroos, and uh, when he was talking about sort of the international rules, the international cup, Papua New Guinea was one of the teams that he he mentioned that that were right up there as as you know the top sides. Yeah. So it's, yeah, um, no surprise that they were such a good team. Yeah. Um, but how about, let's sort of ask some questions about some teammates you've played alongside over in Thailand and or, or currently at the club. But uh, who do you reckon would be hating isolation the most and why? Oh, dear, you're hating isolation is probably nearly all of us because you, know, you can't get down the pub and have a beer on a, um, on a you know, sort of a Friday night or a Saturday or a Saturday night, whatever it is. Um, yeah, I don't think I could actually pick pick one pardon me, particular person to hate isolation, but um, we've had our golf courses closed as well, and they opened up uh, last weekend. So that's made life a bit easier for a lot of us. Um, but yeah, not being able to train, not being able to go to the pub, I think it's pretty much everyone that's kind of hated it. Yeah, it's not gone down too well with a lot of people. Nah. Anybody not too fussed about it, being a bit like, oh, well, being at home yeah. is not bad? I reckon there's a, there's a couple that actually wouldn't mind it too much. And one of them, uh, I'm going to throw him under here, is a, is a bloke called Victor. 
Now, Victor's about 60 years old and he still runs around playing football and uh, he's just an amazing storyteller. He's a conspiracy theorist. Um, he, he's actually an incredible person and uh, he's probably loving it because he doesn't have any money. So he's now got uh, you know, no pressure to go out and, uh, and have to try and spend any. Either him or our treasurer, Coxie, who's got a, a pretty nice palatial home with a lovely swimming pool in the backyard and whatnot. So he's probably not doing it too bad either. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. If I was uh, cooped up in the villa I had in Thailand for my honeymoon and we were locked down, I would not be too concerned about it whatsoever. Yeah, well, me and the coach, uh, the coach, we uh, and a few other friends, we, once Bangkok started to sort of shut down, we took off down to Hua Hin, which is down the coast a bit, and got a villa with a, a nice swimming pool and a pool table and stocked up with lots of beer. So we, we didn't do it too bad for a while there. <laughs> Yeah, a few of our boys had a trip up north planned and they got up there day that I think everything went to lockdown. So they had all this beer from everyone. Spent two weeks up in which Sunday's Rifty? Uh, Hamilton Island. Hamilton Island. Yeah. They spent two weeks up there. So they definitely weren't complaining about it until they got back to Melbourne. Yeah. <laughs> um, right, so which player at your club would make the, to be the best reality TV star? Yeah, again, a pretty interesting question. And, I, and again, I'm going to throw Victor in there as well. Cause, uh, <laughs> I had a film that might have been the answer. <laughs> I, I would love to. I'll tell you a couple of quick stories about Victor just to, um, just to give you some context. Uh, I won't talk about his dog, Radar, which he really loved. And uh, maybe the, the Tigers, when they hear that, would know what I'm referring to. But uh, we were on a tour in 2010 to uh, China. So we had the Asian Championships in Shanghai. Shanghai. And uh, uh, we're staying in whatever hotel. We're going to go out to some nightclub or whatever. And Victor's come out and he's wearing the complimentary slippers that you get from your hotel room to go out to a few bars and whatnot. So he, uh, he had 10, whatever the Chinese currency is, and uh, went up to some, some uh, bum on the street and uh, gave him the, the $10 or 10 RMB, whatever it is, to take his shoes and give him the slippers to, to come out. Um, that's kind of what Victor is. He's just an amazing person. So I reckon he would be a fantastic reality TV show just to know what's going on. Uh, well, the other one is, uh, is a guy called Root who uh, lives up in Chiang Mai, as I mentioned. He's a pharmacist and uh, he flies down to all our games. Um, pretty much every day of the week, he's wearing either a Thailand Tigers shirt in his pharmacy or he's wearing a Western Bulldogs uh, polo shirt. He's just a footy fanatic and... Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd love to see what goes on in his life all the time because he's, uh, again, an amazing person. So I'm liking this, Rifty. We're getting answers that people we don't know about. It's actually quite interesting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sounds, so. sounds like some real characters over there. And I think <laughs> if if some of our boys didn't have misses and uh, things to keep them in line and they ended up over in Thailand, they'd, uh, there's a couple that would end up like Victor with the hotel <laughs> slippers on. <laughs> I reckon no doubt, no doubt. could. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just want to go back to that bloke that flies down from Chiang Mai. How long is that of a trip for him? Yeah, so it's about probably about an hour in the air, maybe an hour and a half in the air. Uh, then you've got to get into the airport and then getting from the airport to the ground when you land in Bangkok. Um, he even, so we, we, we were very lucky. We went to Bali, as I mentioned, in, um, in February this year. He flew from Chiang Mai to Bangkok on the Friday night. We all got on the plane about 7.30, landed in Bali about 1.30, went to our hotel up about, you know, 11 in the morning, off to play footy all day. And then uh, he left after the game, just to go back to the airport to fly back to, to Thailand to get back to work. 
So uh, his commitment is just phenomenal. And, um, uh, you know, he, 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 he'll do anything for the club. And uh, uh, he's played some real good footy over the years as well. And he's copped a few beatings and beltings himself, a couple of broken collarbones and concussions and stuff. Um, he doesn't shy away from a hard ball. And uh, I've never met anyone in my life who's been more committed and devoted to Aussie rules football than someone who's Thai. <laughs> No, it definitely sounds like a bloke that you were around your footy club. He's a good, uh, very good bloke, yeah. So in your time playing footy in Thailand and across Asia, what's the funniest thing you've seen happen on the ground? Yeah, look, I, I, I was trying to think of what could be the funniest thing I've seen happen on the ground. And uh, everything that's funny that happens is not on the ground. It's either after, <laughs> the, after the games or... Um, one, one thing that was hilarious was uh, in 2018, after the championships in KL, they had a uh, slippery slide that they pulled. They, they put out on the field because it started raining pretty heavy. And uh, there's, a, there's another legend in Asian football, probably footy around the world, called uh, Rooster, or the Big Rooster. And uh, he, uh, he set up a few water bowls and basically temping bowled himself down this slippery slide into the bottles, which was quite hilarious. Um, as I said, a lot of the stuff happens off-field. It's probably not even appropriate to talk about in the podcast. But, um, uh, yeah, on the field, that, that's probably one of the funniest things I've seen uh, in my time. Sounds like a couple of nudie runs and stuff like that, but um, <laughs> yeah, we won't dob anyone in for those. But uh... that slip and slide rifty sounds like it uh, finished a lot better than that preseason camp last year for you, our boys. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we'll explain off air what that was. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Could be um, best, yeah. so how are you guys as a club dealing with the current lockdown and stuff and still staying connected with all the, the players and members of the club? Yeah, so not so much myself, but we're lucky a couple of the um, couple of the, the I suppose senior players and the coach and whatnot have been very active about putting up fitness sessions on, so they run fitness sessions using Zoom and uh, uh, get people involved with that. There's been yoga sessions that have been run uh, a lot as well, and uh, myself and the, the men's coach we started running a weekly quiz every Thursday night where basically it's just uh, football trivia. And it's four rounds of footy trivia. And, um, you know, we've had some, some pretty good numbers, up to 40, 40 some weeks. And uh, people from, you know, Indonesia, Australia, Vietnam, uh, and, of course, Thailand. So it's, it's been a good way to sort of keep people together, keep a bit of the social stuff happening. Um, yeah, so that's pretty much been what it is. There's also a um, uh, player profiles that have been going up on Facebook for the club. So trying to get as many of the, the men, women, and also some of our, we call our uh, Masters team, the Sabre Two Tigers, uh, trying to get as many profiles up as we can. And um, we also did a, a video with golf celebrations, which you can find on our Facebook page if you have a look. Um, just something to sort of keep people connected and keep them, uh, keep the club's name out there. Yeah, so speaking of you, you know, keeping... And I on the club and finding out what, what you guys are up to. How would people find out about Thailand Tigers? Is it just Facebook or what else are you yeah. across? Yeah, in, in Instagram or whatever it is. I don't even know how to use it. But uh, <laughs> either that or Facebook. Um, probably Facebook is probably the, the, the better one because uh, most people, certainly my age, my age bracket, know how to use it. So, um, yeah, you can go on Facebook and just search for Thailand Tigers AFL or Thailand Tigers Football Club and um, you, you can find all out sort of most of our news all goes directly onto Facebook, our website's in, in dire need of a bit of an upgrade, so uh, I won't send anyone near that at the moment. But uh, yeah, Facebook's probably the best place to find us. Oh, good, and we'll uh, definitely share links to your Facebook when we 
post this video up and uh, yeah, cheers, yeah, appreciate that. Hopefully, you uh, gain some more followers and. When blokes are heading over next year, probably when they get a chance to get out of Australia, they'll uh, might hit you guys up for a, to come over a kick of the footy. Yeah, and not not just you guys, but anyone from Oz that wants to come up to Thailand for a holiday. And uh, it's during footy season, you want to catch up and watch a game of footy. Uh, just get in touch with the Facebook page with the, the Tigers. And certainly, if it's uh, post season and again you want to just get up and catch up with a beer or something, uh, you're most welcome to. Yep, and uh, same goes for any of the. Thailand players, if they ever over Aussie way and uh, looking for a place to have a kick, the the Sandown Cobras at Edinburgh Reserve always have an open door for anyone that wants to come down and have a kick. Excellent. Uh, yeah, so is there anything else you want to add, Ed, though? Uh, nah, just... Uh, I was, sorry, I was just going to point out that um, you said always welcome for a kick and as Jared said, there, they're always welcome for a beer at our club as well. Yeah, um, just want to thank you for joining us today jared um really do appreciate your time and again just everyone they go across to thailand tigers on facebook instagram and give them a like and a follow and also afl asia give them a like and a follow as well and find out about all the happenings in asian footy because from the sounds of it they're doing a lot for not just the game but also their communities which is fantastic yeah excellent appreciate your time jared is there anything else you wanted to yeah no i just wanted to say um say thanks to both of you because uh, what you're doing as well, keeping people connected and also taking the opportunity to sort of share stories about footy around the world. Uh, now, now you're going to get the Tigers interested to see what other clubs around the world are doing. Uh, you know, uh, it's a fantastic thing you guys are doing. So thanks very much to both of you for your time. Ah, thank you. We appreciate it. And uh, hopefully, like we said, you guys some, gain some more followers and, and there'll be f- more people keen to get over there and play some footy. Excellent. Awesome. Thanks again for your time. Cheers, guys. Uh, thanks for joining us for this episode of the Cobracast with the present VP. Uh, it was a pleasure having Jared Roberts from the Thailand Tigers on to chat about uh, everything Thailand Tigers and Asian football. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed it and were able to get something out of it. Uh, but what do we got coming up, Eto? Well, that was a good trip, mate. I'm not going to lie to you. Thailand, I was uh, had a good time. But coming up on Tuesday, uh, no, Saturday night, sorry. Saturday night, we have got the one and only Jorge Exotic. My good mate and everybody else's good mate. Yep. yep. The, the uh, reality TV star, the Alan impersonator, the Joe Exotic, the Jorge, Jorge the, 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 man of, the man of many names. Oh, the hedge jumper. Just oh. uh, as, as many names that my wife might call him, but I'm not going to say them. But we do love the old Jorge Exotic. Exotic, sorry. Uh, then Tuesday, we're off to Cardiff in Wales, mate. That's a, that was a good trip. Yeah, that was another good trip in the hour around the globe series and uh another club that's uh full of fascinating information with uh what they do uh for the you know in, for their organization over there in cardiff wales it was uh fantastic learning a bit about them it sounds like uh there's one bloke they really need to thank across there and i won't say any more but yeah join us on uh saturday nights uh for joshy herford and also to say happy birthday to myself on that saturday big 30 so don't forget, if you haven't sent, don't send me a message on Saturday, then we're no longer friends. Um, 
And then Tuesday, we are off to Cardiff, as is mentioned. So make sure you tune in to the Cobracast, our player editions, and our Around the Globe, and look forward to seeing you. Yep. Thanks again for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy the next few episodes coming up. Thanks.